I'm not sure if I've ever told y'all this story before. Matter of fact, I'm inclined to believe that I have not. Maybe I mentioned it in passing from the stage during one of our Q&As during a well-read show, but I certainly don't remember recording it. And it just occurred to me, and I thought that I would share it with you. And after I get through explaining it, you'll understand why it's just now occurring to me and not something that I think about on the regular. <laughs> but when I was 19 years old, me and a couple of my friends, we lived in this place that we affectionately referred to as the crack house. Now that much, if you've been following my act for years, you've heard. I've talked about the crack house before, but I've not shared this story. And a thing that was really popular around this time, I'm not certain when this game got invented. I just know that the height of its popularity was beginning around this time. Well, no, I won't say the height of its popularity. This is, this is just when we heard about it. And that game is called Beer Pong. I don't know if it took the world by storm because, well, at that time, I didn't know anything about the world at all. The only part of the world I knew anything about was Chickamauga, Georgia. That's where I lived. That's basically the only place I had been that was not the Redneck Riviera in Florida, a.k.a. Panama City. I've been to Chicago for two weeks doing a seminar at Second City learning improv. But I basically went straight from the hotel to my improv classes and occasionally out to eat with my parents. I didn't really get a full grasp of the city. I met people that were different than me, sure. And when I started doing stand-up at 16, I met people that were different than me, sure. But they were different than me only in the way that someone visiting Chattanooga, Tennessee to do stand-up on a Tuesday night at a bar could be different than me. So, you know, pretty tame. I didn't know a lot. That's all I'm saying. So if beer pong was bigger somewhere else in the world, I wouldn't know it. But it was huge in Chickamauga, Georgia. And we played it every night when we lived at the crack house. We only lived at the crack house, now that I think about it, for two and a half months. It was just a summer. But it felt like a lifetime. At 19, I think everything does. You know, time wasn't whipping by then as quickly as it is now. I look up now and my son is three months old and I swear to God, I was just at the hospital waiting on my wife to be called back. It's insane. Time soars now that in my 30s, and I know, and I have every reason to believe that's just going to get worse, especially since I now have a kid. But back then, time slowed to a crawl, you know? I mean, it took forever to get to Friday. Not, that's not to say that we didn't drink every single other day of the week. We certainly did. It's just that some of our friends weren't complete degenerates, and they could only come over and hang out on Fridays because they had these things called um, jobs, right? They had jobs. Now, of course, we all worked, but it was shift work, you know. We, uh, we didn't even have to pay rent on the crack house because one of our buddy's dads owned it and three other houses in the area, and our rent was paid because we mowed the grass for him in not only our house, but in all the surrounding houses. So we were living on the cheap. We lived right by a gas station, the Olden Gallon, as we called it. It was a Golden Gallon, but there was two Golden Gallons in the town, one that had only been recently put up. So in order to say, you know, 
the original golden gallon. We would call it the olden gallon. And we were 19 years old, and we had a plan. We knew that we were going to be able to get booze from the olden gallon. And here was the deal. We knew. We'd just go in there from time to time when we first moved in there and not get booze. Just establish a relationship with the nice ladies that work there, right? You don't want to come in all gung-ho and hot, setting beer up there and then slinging some fake ID. We, of course, had fake IDs. Matter of fact, we made fake IDs at the crack house. We had a room in the back and we had a wall that we had painted blue because blue was the background of the Georgia <laughs> uh, driver's license. And we would have our buddies come over and we would take their picture. And my buddy, uh, well, I probably shouldn't say his name because I don't know what the statute of limitations is on faking um, federal papers. Let's just call him um, Little Miss Sweet. Little Miss Sweet would take the pictures. He would download them. He would put them onto paper. And now we're getting into the very intricate part of it, which is that in the middle of the Georgia license, there was an emblem that was almost metallic. It, it, was, it was shimmering. It was like mirrored. And we thought, well, how are you going to fake that? Well, Little Miss Sweet is a genius. And he said, you know what? To me, that looks just like a nail polish my mother used to use when I was a kid. It's called Mother of Pearl. And sure enough, he taped it off painted a perfect little square with mother of pearl it marbled out perfectly it shimmered in the light and with an exacto knife and his perfect penmanship he carved the word georgia into it it was a complete pass it was wonderful the only problem was is that um well we couldn't really make them into cards you know we didn't have that capability we could laminate them, but that's not how a driver's license works. So what we had to do was make sure that we got one of those wallets that had that little space that you put your driver's license in and hope that they didn't ask us to take them out. And this is where getting to know the ladies at the gas station was so important. We knew that if we went in there for the first time after not having talked to them, they may have said, can you take that ID out for me, sweetheart? Because people were doing this all the time. But we thought to ourselves, if we establish a good line of credit with them morally, if we become friends, they will assume that we are 21 and they will not ask us to take the license out of the wallet. And we were correct. We were 100% correct. And that became an easy way for us to get booze. Of course, it wasn't free. We had to pay for it, but we were 19 years old and in walking distance of the place that sold the thing that we wanted the most, booze and cigarettes, because you need booze to play the game that is sweeping the nation, and that is beer pong. We, of course, after several games of beer pong, everyone decided that they played a little bit better with a certain person. We ended up breaking off into teams. Every now and then we would try to switch it up, but everyone just felt more comfortable with their team. And it was easier to have camaraderie that way. I mean, everyone there was, like I said, a team. It was like being in a basketball tournament every night. You knew that these two were going to go up against these two, and then they're going to face these two in the finals. And it would always come down to the same people every single time, ladies and gentlemen, friends beyond the binary. It would come down to me 
And my buddy, and again, for statute of limitation purposes, and I don't know how he's living his life right now, so maybe he doesn't want this told, I'll just call him Scrappy. Me and my buddy Scrappy, because that's what he was. We never lost a game. That's not hyperbole. We never lost a game. By our count, we had played 100 games in a row, where not only did we win, oftentimes we didn't even give the opponent a chance to shoot back because we would hit all of them in a row and double cup the last, which means no gives backs, right? We're the most confident team there. Everyone was playing for second. Well, one night at the crack house, a cadre, I believe is the correct choice of words, of beautiful women walked in. They'd been there several times. They knew that we played beer pong. We, of course, let them play, but sexist as we were, I'm sure that we had a women's only tournament. You know, we're bigger than that now, but at the time, we weren't. At the time, sexism was so bad that we even thought that women couldn't compete in a quote-unquote sport where all you do is flick your wrist and throw a ping-pong ball into a solo cup filled with beer. Yes, filled with beer. Not like they play it now with water. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We were getting HPV left and right, ladies and gentlemen, and friends beyond the binary. It was gross, but we knew no other way. So this one night, me and Scrappy, we're on a roll like we always are. And a group of these girls, four of them, matter of fact, they came up and they said, hey, we'll bet you anything that we could beat y'all. Now, mind you, beer pong is played in groups of two. And these are four people. So you would think, we would say, okay, who are your best two? We'll play y'all. And yeah, we'll bet you anything. But that's not what we did. Because we were the champions. We'd won 100 games in a row. We were cocky. We could not be beat. And as cocky men, we said, you know what? That's fine. All four of you getting four shots to our two, we will beat you. And they said, okay, what are the stipulations? We said, you go. Said, you go. So, Scrappy, who had really beautiful, long, curly hair, something out of the 70s. I mean, it was a gorgeous mane. He said, well, I should back up a little bit and let's go with the theme of being sexist. Um, what we decided as our stipulation was that if we won, we got to see all four, which in total means eight boobies. I'm not going to say I'm proud of it, but I'm also not going to say I'm not proud of it. They were game. They were game, <laughs> you know? So it came to our stipulations, and Scrappy, who had wonderful hair, as I said, said, you know what, if y'all win, I will shave my head. And this blew us away because he had never, I, he didn't even cut it. I don't even know if he washed it because he wanted it to have that night. It just fell perfectly. He had the hair from the gods. He said, yeah, I'll shave my head. This is how confident I am. And I said, who, as you all know, did not have a beautiful head of hair to offer as penance, I said, I'm so confident that we will beat y'all, that if y'all win, I will get all four of y'all's initials tattooed on my ass tomorrow. 
Well, needless to say, ladies and gentlemen and friends beyond the binary, they skunked us. That's right, we didn't even have a shot. They went first, they all four sunk a ball, they got the balls back, three of them sunk a ball, they double cupped the last. We had lost. They immediately went outside to Scrappy and shaved his head. My penance, however, was gonna take a little bit longer to fulfill. We were gonna have to go to the tattoo parlor and in my brain, I thought, surely to God, they're gonna forget about this, right? They can't really expect me to get a tattoo of all four of their initials on their ass. But I am a man of my word and I told them that if they would drive me the next day, I would do it hoping against hope and praying to God that they would wake up hungover and forget. Well, they didn't. They woke me up at 8 p.m. They treated me to a McDonald's breakfast because they knew that I didn't have any money. Not a lot, anyways. They drove me to the tattoo parlor. I won't say the name of the tattoo parlor. And we get there and we go back and they tell them exactly what it is that we want. Four initials on this guy's ass. And the man who looked like well, he looked like what you'd think a tattoo artist at a very cheap tattoo store would look like. That's not meant as an offense, but you all know who I'm talking about. He looked at us and he said, well, that will be $150. Y'all, I didn't have $50. I said, what are you talking about? It's four initials. And he said, yeah, if it was four initials on your arm or four initials on her ass, I'd probably do it for 30 bucks, but since it's on your ass, that's gonna be $150. That's fair. <laughs> He's the man, it's a free market. So I thought I'm out of it. I said, well, guys, I, I really would love to. I'm a man of my word, but as y'all know, I do not have $150. And before I could even get that sentence out of my mouth, one of the girls stepped up and said, I got it. Slapped her credit card down. And to this day, I walk around with four initials tattooed on my ass. And some of you probably think, how does your wife feel about that? Well, first off, she was there. <laughs> she wasn't one of the four, no, but she was there and she laughed. This is before she was my wife, of course. And I always vowed, because people would ask me, they said, what are you gonna do when you get married? You're gonna get married and there's gonna be a woman and she's gonna know that you have the initials of four girls tattooed on your ass. Are you gonna lie and tell it something else? Or what if you marry someone that knows, what are you gonna do? And I came up with a solution that I think I'm about to do. And that was this. I would get my wife's initials tattooed on the left side with a greater than symbol pointing towards her. And now I think that I might go get that tattoo. I just don't think about it often because it's on my ass. That's a thing about mistakes that you can't see. They just kind of don't cross your mind until you look in the mirror backwards when you're trying to see what kind of bruise you have. And boy, I have a doozy. <laughs> I'm glad I thought of that memory. But yep, I have a tattoo of four girls initials on my ass. I'll talk to y'all next time. Love you, bye.